And this specific podcast was on certainty and on being certain, even if you may be incorrect. And to me, it really brought me back to, okay, first of all, let me just say, by nature, I'm a very curious person asking questions constantly. I've been like this my whole entire life. It's gotten me into trouble, but mostly it's been a good thing. And she just was so confident in her response because that was her aha moment. Like, oh, that makes sense that dinosaurs were on other planets and they that's how they landed onto this planet because you know heavenly father made this planet out of all the other planets or something and and it's just here to kind of fool us and the feeling of confidence right as a sensation the feeling of confidence is what the church wants you to feel right because this the according to what's his name richard burton like the feeling of confidence is more important than actual facts and actual like truth. There are all these things that I can choose to go and do. And like pernicious is the word that comes to my mind, but I don't know if that's right. The the pernicious thing about like the church is that like it gets you in that black and white mode of thinking that there is this right way. If, if you follow the spirit and follow, you know, follow what you're supposed to be doing. And if not, like you are off the path when in reality, there's, infinite paths that all of us are taking all the time and like one path might lead to like me falling down a cliff and breaking my leg but then I like notice these incredible flowers this is infants on thrones baby steps who wants someone to preach to the philosophies of men I like magical toys who wants religion mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. All right, welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 800, The Certainty of Being Certain and Other Aha Moments, I guess. I don't know. And today, you will once again be hearing from the new quorum of Jessica. First of all, let me just say, by nature, I'm a very curious person. Read. Oh, that makes sense. That dinosaurs were on other planets. Ren. Like, the feeling of confidence is more important than actual facts and actual, like, truth, right? And Kurt. Me falling down a cliff and breaking my leg, but then I, like notice these incredible flowers as I'm laying on the ground with a broken leg. Who are all awesome. Yes, I am quite certain of that. And maybe I'll pop in once or twice along the way, but now. Now then, hang on to your hat glasses, cause this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Ren, you mentioned swallowing a toothpick. I, yeah. I had I had a, uh, when I was in high school, I remember walking down the hall and this guy, this like friend was walking towards me the other way. And he like looked like he was, had almost died just barely. And as he walks by, he goes, "Don't try to swallow a wheat thin hole." 
All right. Uh, anyway. Well, hello, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. 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 We've got Reed and Ren and Kurt and me, Jessica, which I don't know. I can't decide if I like Jess or Jessica better, but whatever works. <laughs> so I, last week we talked about conference and we're taking a detour into territory that's a little bit more my jam mm -hmm. lately. More things that interest me currently, which this definitely has a tie to Mormonism and a lot of what the process was like going through figuring out what I believed or why I believed it. Um, so listening to podcasts, my interest kind of uh, sparks when I hear things that you know, resonate with that kind of uh, process or journey. And there was one specifically this last week. Um, it was uh, You Are Not So Smart podcast. That's the title with, is it David McCraney? I think that's his name. Ren? Is sounds that right? right. Yeah, sounds right. David? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I've listened to him for a while. He did a really good series on, um, what's it called? When you, like logical fallacies. Yeah. When you're, <laughs> and that I remember just kind of blew my mind and I saw them everywhere. And that's the kind of thing I like is when I learn about a subject or I learn about an idea and then I just start seeing it in all aspects. And this specific podcast was on um, certainty and on being certain, even if you may be incorrect. And to me, it really brought me back to, okay, first of all, let me just say, by nature, I'm a very curious person asking questions constantly. I've been like this my whole entire life. It's gotten me into trouble, but mostly it's been a good thing until in church, it really felt like that was a no-no. Like you mm -hmm. couldn't really <laughs> ask the questions. And that was kind of a memo that was loud and clear to me. So for me, it's a really fun arena to be able and feel like I have permission to ask all the questions. Uh, did, what do you guys? Can I can I jump in? What yeah. did what did you feel like, like, either growing up or in a church or whatever? Like, how did you all feel? <clears throat> did you did you feel like you had permission to ask all the questions? Like, did you want to? Did that did that come up in your brain at all? Like. When you say when you say all the questions, meaning questions about church, did you ever have questions claims? that you wanted to ask that you that you felt like you couldn't ask? I honestly sure. oh go ahead. Yeah. I mean, well, my I feel like my experience is a little weird because my mom left the church when I was young. Mm. So I got this weird background of <laughs> what I was taught at church and then what my mom shared with me. So I had competing ideas and growing up, I was kind of confused as to <laughs> what do I think about this? There's this information and then there's this church information and then becoming active again myself. I just shut down one whole section of questions in exchange for a set of approved questions. Um, and I learned those. I, repeated those often and I just kind of turned off that switch of um the more introspective the more going there going deeper uh type of questions I was gonna say I um I think that I never felt like I couldn't ask any questions and 
you know, this podcast that we listened to about being certain, um, it really made me think a lot about uh, the spirit, basically, right? The Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. And how much like that uh, mindset or the way to confirm truth through your feelings tied into what this guy was talking about. And so like, I felt like when I was like in the church that I knew the answers to all the questions, right? So there was no point to ask any questions because like, oh, I already know. And like any, any kind of question that um, I would think to ask that might be like taboo or something, I'd be like, (laughs) that has a very simple answer. (laughs) And, you know, like that feeling of certainty, I felt it like very strongly. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I found really, really interesting the way that he kind of discussed. And then I also want to say really quick, there's a second podcast that I'm also going to be referring to, and that's On Being. And it's just, it has Robert Burton, who's the author of this book. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's not right. Yeah, yeah Robert called? Burton. <clears throat> yeah, that's the author, but what's the podcast yeah. called? It's the, Econ Talk. With econ Russ Talk. Yeah. Yes. Which is a, just an Brain. exciting sounding podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Go <and> talk. <laughs> okay, but, so b- before we get go, I also wanted to just add real quick, Robert Burton, his voice. What? How would you describe his voice after listening to it a couple times now? I, I thought it was has like this um, drywall metallic sounding. It's like it's simultaneously low but really high teeny i don't know i just it was just my observation i guess it was, i was the only one bothered by it or not, maybe not bothered by it, but it's just like wow when this guy talks it's 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 interesting it's an interesting voice he sounded you know, well he's he's like i think he's pretty old right like i think he worked as a yeah. professor for a lot of years and then retired several years ago and like maybe that just comes with age like you know boyd k packer sounding yeah, it could be. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, that was no, just... it's all right. I, I need to know these things. I am afraid to ask what my voice sounds like now, but <laughs> um, the thing I thought was fascinating and the way that I kind of let things stick in my mind is to use metaphor and just, it really became more clear to me the way he was talking about, you know, the different neural pathways that we're building around what we know we're adding elements in, if we're raised in an environment where we're given a set of beliefs, those are the components of what we're building and what we know. And so um, two of you guys have kids and you know, those like marble works games, like with the pieces and you put them together and you put the marble at the top and it goes down. Anyway, follow me here. I imagine the way he was describing, like we're collecting these pieces and putting them together as this expected flow of thought. When a thought enters into our mind, it is going down the, you know, the loop and it's hitting all the marks and it, you know, we know exactly what it's going to do. Well, you know, if we're getting new sensations or new stimuli or whatever, some of those pieces might be in disarray or something happens, then we replace them but that can leave you feeling really uncomfortable. Like looking at it, if it's not going down the right, I don't know, <laughs> loop or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And but. the, the, the focus there is on the feelings, right? Like the, the, that feeling of uncomfortableness and 
uh, like we should talk about like what his like central like claim is, is that yeah. um, your thoughts or your beliefs, knowledge doesn't come to you through like a logical process. It's right. something he says in there that like it's something that happens to you. Um, and it's a feeling that you experience, like a sensation of confidence and a sensation of certainty. Um, like you don't become certain through like rationality is his kind of main claim, right? Yeah, right. I went back and listened to him explain this probably five times over the last week or so. And um, it's it's like a lot of it is tricky to wrap your brain around. Exact. I mean, it, for me, speaking specifically, on making sure that I understand, like, because he talked about, like, about certainty, about conclusions, um, like, feeling like conclusions, but they're not actually conclusions. They're actually, like, feelings that you have, right? And that concept, I think a lot of it gets tied up in language and how we think about language, but that really it is, like, it's this emergent quality that arises that we don't understand between all of the neural networks that are firing in the background of your brain and then there's like the conscious part of your brain that that is realizing what's going on, but is totally unaware. He talks about that hidden layer, like between the unconscious and the conscious and totally unaware of what's happening with the unconscious um, is like incredibly fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think, uh, Jess, you know, when getting back to what you were talking about with that as well, like um, when you talk about these like different experiences or that metaphor you use about building like a marble set or a race car track kind of thing it's not fully formed that's all right (laughs) (laughs) that's all right like um we don't really understand how that's built kind of what kurt's talking about the that uh, that hidden layer like it's built through our experience and through life but we don't really we're not the architects of that little marble tower right right i don't know do you think that that's true like do you feel like you are the architect of your thought tower, I guess, marble thought tower. And, th- and this is the thought tower to determine what's, what's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, so he talked, he, he talked about like, I remember him specifically talking about there's like the unconscious part, there's the conscious part. And then sometimes like the conscious part can influence the unconscious part again. Right. Like that's the whole idea of, of like the street epistemology or deep canvassing that he talked about and getting people to change their minds or, or whatever, which is like allowing yourself to change like the conscious act of changing your neural pathways and stuff. And I, and I hope right, like Ren to, to answer your question, I hope that we can change that stuff because that's like, that's what I'm trying to do with <laughs> therapy and coaching and like becoming a better person and changing like, the automatic thoughts that come up or feelings that come up or being able to notice those things and then like reform them and, and redirect my, my thoughts and feelings. So that's, I hope so is my answer. I think we can get even a little bit more like specific on some of the things he was talking about with regards to like the aha moment. Um, yeah. That's, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. What were we, I was going to ask, <laughs> Do you know of like specific examples of aha moments in your life? Yeah, that's okay. Oh, they gave an example in two different, in both of these podcasts that really illustrated that moment of not understanding and then something clicking or falling into place. And then it just makes sense. And I don't know about you, but 
our kids love video games and sometimes I'll get home from the store or something and I'll hear a conversation and I'm putting stuff away and it makes no sense. The conversation that's going on, like they're talking words that I don't know. It's a new game or whatever. And then the minute that it dawns on me that they're not talking to each other, they're talking <laughs> to the video game people or whatever. And it, it makes perfect sense, but there is, it's almost like an unease that you feel when you're unsure. And then the minute that puzzle piece kind of falls into place, it just feels like a conclusion. Like this is, you know, a revelation of, a, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that's at the, the root of why our belief system in the LDS church was continually prolonged or I should, so let me, let me just give a really quick example, something that I, I think about and just kind of laugh to myself, but I'm, I've, I'm obviously guilty of doing a lot of this. Um, so when um, my brother was talking to my parents after um, just talking through his kind of faith crisis with them and delivering the news, they started going through questions he had, you know, like doubts. And, and one of them was, well, you know, the earth obviously wasn't created in, in 6,000 years or, you know, six days or whatever, you know, time period. And my mom uh, kind of said back to him just very, very confidently. Well, I got, I got an answer for that. Uh, the uh, all the the world was created out of many other worlds that had dinosaurs, you know, because his question was like, why are there dinosaurs? Why are there, you know, these other, and she just was so confident in her response because that was her aha moment. Like, Oh, that makes sense that dinosaurs were on other planets and they, that's how they landed onto this planet. Cause you know, heavenly father made this planet out of all the other planets or something. And, and it's just here to kind of fool us into thinking, that you know it was created a long time ago but for her she just stopped there stopped the the wondering and the investigation and to her that solved her her issue her her question and that then she knew she knew what was what was you know how that worked right so i i think of that as a aha moment that where and then it made me think like okay how many aha moments have i had in my life <laughs> Where that completely is now in doubt of, uh, you know, what I experienced as an aha moment of, of discovering some other truth. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree that it keeps you like in that, you know, comfortable state to have those like aha moments. The way they talked about it on the podcast we listened to, you know, he almost like called it a type of like pleasure, right? like a, a, a thing in your brain that gives you like this, this pleasure that you feel as confidence as like a sensation. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Well, and then too, it kind of begs the question, what are we really in pursuit of when we're wanting certainty? Is it truth? Like, is it, you know, comfort? <laughs> is it safety? You know, and I think all of those things are reasonable in their own spheres, you know, depending on what you're, you know, talking about or, or questioning. I know for me with church, there was a lot of just security and having answers and the certainty that came from that, that was worth 
um, you know, more than to kind of set aside some of the detailed <laughs> things yeah. and just allow it to be what it was. So I belonged and it felt good. So. Yeah, I, I think that this kind of sounds nefarious, but I don't, I'm going to say some things and I, it's, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm accusing the church of doing this, but I'm not really accusing the church of doing this. I think the church has uh, just naturally fallen into a, a, a type of persuasion that uses these like pathways in your brain, right? Like this notion that, um, or the feeling of confidence, right? As a sensation, the feeling of confidence is what, the church wants you to feel right because this the according to what's his name richard burton like the feeling of confidence is more important than actual facts and actual like truth right like it yeah. doesn't yeah so if if you're in an organization or if an organization can make you feel confident then that's all they need to do for you to to be loyal and invested in it right and like, that's exactly in my mind, I was thinking I had an aha moment <laughs> that this is exact. That's what the spirit is. That's what the Holy Ghost is, right? It's, it's seeking that feeling of truth or that feeling of confidence. And so like, it's a weird, like co-opt of your brain's own, like, uh, mechanisms. Uh, mechan yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like Ren, you, like you said, like the church, like there's, there's probably no necessarily like one individual responsible or like, it's not nefarious that that is, that has been like the tool, but it's, it's not just, it's not just the church, right? I mean, it's like most churches and like political parties and um, you know, other groups all across the world, obviously like use these same ideas and techniques to, to get people to conform or believe one way or feel good about an idea. Like, I was thinking um, like just the idea like within church of like repeating things over and over and again, you know, like in young women's talk, like saying the young women's values every week or um, like temple, testimony, like, meetings. Stuff temple <laughs> testimony meetings, like all of that stuff. Um, like, obviously that's a technique that's used to, 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 to like short of sort of short circuit, short circuits, maybe not the right word, but get you, get you to like believe something or, or think something is to just repeat it over and over. Um, I don't know if any of you have watched um, Severance on Apple TV, I have. but it's, it's so good. good. It's so good. Uh, but they like, without like, this isn't really a spoiler or anything like that. Like they have this like group of people who they need to keep conformed, right. And keep them thinking one way and, and feeling one way. And if they step out of line, like they're in an office place, they step out of line, they have to go to the break room, which is like mm -hmm. plan words with like break, but they will break you, like break you mentally, um, go in a break room. And then they just have to repeat something over and over and again until like they're at a lie detector test and until they are not lying anymore as they're saying it, but like they'll have to repeat it for hours and hours and hours. But it's like that exact same idea right here. Of, like if you, if you, if, if an organization or a group or family or friends or whatever wants you to be certain, like there are certain things that, that you can do to influence someone and sort of short circuit or like dive into the, the deep mind, I guess I, is like how I think about it and, and, and kind of bypass that, that 
like that logical piece, right? Yeah, they're they're like getting into that hidden layer, yeah. and trying to like build the marble tower the way they want to build. Well, if you think about it too, even on just a personal level, day to day being motivated, you know, I know with church, it, it's a it's a big emphasis on acts. service and staying engaged in callings and what is more motivating than certainty i feel like the bigger the certainty like the greater the influence that you have oftentimes Even at a personal level, I think about my kids or me getting up in the morning and I'm like, if I'm unsure about everything, why would I go to the store? <laughs> like, oh, if yeah. I was really, you know, I don't know, questioning everything, like I can see how that would create a lot of complacency. And, you know, even just your attitude of saying, this is going to be such a good day. You know, I feel that on a personal level, just adding those things in, even if I have no idea and I know I have no idea, I can try to believe <laughs> that it's going to be good. Have you ever what, like, Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say like, do you feel like you're like, so this, this feels to me like it's like the conscious trying to affect the unconscious for sure self here. Like, do you, do you feel like that's what you're doing when you're doing it? Yeah, I, it feels, well, for me, just especially because I'm interested in this stuff, it feels at times experimental and then just practicing bypassing whatever <laughs> is already yeah. there. I, I think for me too, because after you leave a structure like we did, it does come crumbling down and you are left in rubble trying to, you know, pick back up pieces and use whatever to build something that you do feel certain enough about. And in doing that, you have to get creative and you get used to that process. And I can see it going in the direction of you just, you know, going from, I know, I know, I know, to I know nothing, I know nothing, nothing's worth it. And so finding that middle ground, it's almost like accepting, we don't really know but we do have control. And so using that somehow, I don't know, it's probably helpful. Yeah, I was gonna, I, when you were talking, Jessica, kind of uh, brought up to, for me, like the, the counter of the aha moment, right? We talk about the aha moment as this feeling of certainty, but you were talking about like these feelings of uncertainty. And I was thinking about like, have you ever been with a, a bunch of friends? Oh. And you're like, well, what do you guys want to do? Hey, Flaps, what are we going to do? And like nobody wants, like, is certain about anything. or I don't know. What do you want to do? Somebody always is like, well, well, you know, whatever you want to do. Well, I don't know. Maybe we could do this. Well, (laughs) yeah, if everybody wants to do that, we can do that. Or, well, I don't know. Hey, now don't start that again. No, that's so awkward. And it's such a, like, a a painful feeling (laughs) to not be like, (laughs) Frustrating. Like somebody just decide, be certain about it, and we'll follow. <laughs> well, that's that's like the thing I think on my bad days, I'm kind of laying there just like, somebody tell me what to do. <laughs> somebody tell me, you know, and it's the things I already know, but there was such comfort in having like, oh, structure of I do this on this day and I have family night and I have meetings and, you know, you don't, that's not 
just given to you naturally, you have to create that. So can I talk about an aha moment that I had this last week, actually? You better. So, and, and it ties in perfectly to what Ren and Jess, you guys are talking about here right now. So, um, so having a conversation this last week and I was in like a very black and white mode of thinking, you know, like, like there is a, there's a right path for me here and there's a wrong path for me here. And, um, this was, I mean, I guess I'll just say like, this was coaching with Glenn. And so I was talking to Glenn about this and like, um, Hey Glenn, you know, <laughs> Hey Glenn, if you would like to jump in here and give your thoughts. Hey, now don't start that again. So like coaching with Glenn about this, like thinking about like, there is a correct path for me in, in, in my life here. And there is a, there's a wrong path. And, and just talking through this with him and then like hearing his response back was a total aha moment. Like, oh yeah, like there's not just this one, one right way or wrong way for you to go about living your life right now. It's not black and white. It's like, this was the, this was the vision that I had in my mind as I was thinking about it, not black and white, but it's like a rainbow of options here. There's like blue and purple and indigo, if that's your jam or whatever, you know? And like, there are all these things that I can choose to go and do. And the, the like pernicious is the word that comes to my mind, but I don't know if that's right. The, the pernicious thing about like the church is that like it gets you in that black and white mode of thinking that there is this right way. If, if you follow the spirit and follow, you know, follow what you're supposed to be doing. And if not, like you are off the path when in reality, there's infinite paths that all of us are taking all the time. And like one path might lead to like me falling down a cliff and breaking my leg. But then I like notice these incredible flowers as I'm laying on the ground with a broken <laughs> leg. And then I can like help someone else who else out who's at the bottom of the cliff with me. And then, and then like we create this incredible, beautiful path together somewhere else. You know, it's not, it's like that black and white of like you're on the path or you're not on the path. It, it, it shortcuts our ability to like own our own actions in our lives. I think. For sure. That kind of gets to the thing that like bothered me almost the most was the fact that everyone's saying, you know, listen to these talks and, you know, you'll get a confirmation. And I, I was always just like, what, how do I know if, you know, I'm thinking this, I'm listening to this talk and I'm inspired. So-and-so is listening to this talk. They're not inspired. You know, like what, what happens if my aha moment happens outside of you know these boundaries of mm -hmm. yeah you know, like I think we talked about this a little bit last week with you know feeling inspired by things that weren't church you know driven or produced and I don't know that to me it's just so obvious it feels like now that we're all experiencing something totally different when we're listening to talks and we're going to apply those things in very different ways and to expect that we'll do it in the same, you know, take the same words and apply it in the same way, which, I mean, I don't assume that everyone feels that way exactly, but that's kind of the, that's like the gist of it, right? Yeah, there, there is, there is a, you know, a, a conclusion you're supposed to come to, <clears throat> right? And yeah. And well, I mean, and it's the, to keep you on the covenant path is to keep you in, you know, in line with the way, but then 
you know, you might be missing out on the detour, like, like Kurt's talking about, you know, like, there can be so much beauty in the way that we, you know, take charge of our own, have those aha moments and realize them, think about them, apply them, you know, but we're not, doesn't feel like you're really allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Richard Burton is saying, you know, conclusions aren't real. They're like these illusions that don't really exist. What is real is that feeling that you have inside. And um, in the church, like they're trying to teach you, yes, that feeling that you have inside is real, but it's pointing you to this conclusion Right. Um, that is also real. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, one thing I, I don't remember if which episode it was in, but I'm always, anytime this kind of thing gets brought up, it always blows my mind. Just the fact that like, I think the example was like a husband and wife watching a car accident and at the retinal level, the input is the same, but the minute that it passes that to the conscious level, you're perceiving things completely differently. You could be, you know, your accounts of what you're experiencing could be wildly different, even in the same position, the same view. And that, I see that everywhere. I see that in politics. I see that in, you know, religious circles and, you know, communities and schools. Like, it's just, the minute though i think we can learn that and like have the ability to um really think about that when we're interacting with people that's what breaks down those you know oh it's got to be this way it's got to be that way it's like oh well, of course you're gonna think about it like that if you live over there and you look out your window and you see that or <laughs> i don't know like well i mean it sounds like like one of the things you're getting at jess is is empathy like being able <laughs> well no like well Oh, I, I'm, I'm certain you're getting to this right now, which was, which is <laughs> empathy, like being able to, being able to like understand that someone else has a totally separate life experience and like biology that has led them to feel and believe the things that they believe and that there are perfectly good reasons that they believe those things or are certain about those things or uncertain about those things. And that like, what I would want is that someone else would be able to understand that about me as well. You know, like that's, that's what I really want. I want to be able to provide that to other people and also for other people to reciprocate that same feeling back to me. Um, yeah. That's what everyone which, wants. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, it gets, it gets to like the idea of, I mean, we brought this, or I think I talked about this just a minute ago, but like on um, changing people's minds, you know, like with street epistemology or deep canvassing, or he, he talked about like a pyramid one. I don't know if you guys, I, I wasn't familiar with that one, that one at all. But the, the first piece of all of this, which, which gets to empathy is like being able to like uh, come across as nice and likable um, and like shut down any initial barriers that someone would have to you if you're actually trying to change their mind, but just be like, I'm not, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to try and be, I'm not going to be rude to you. I'm not going to belittle your beliefs. I'm just going to be friendly. And we're just like here to have a conversation and come across as not threatening and, and very respectful. But then like you, you actually have to be respectful and not, not just say that you're respectful. Right. 
uh, which anyway, just getting, just getting to the empathy, like that actual caring about someone and what they, and what they believe. Uh, it's something that I, I really want for other people and for other people to provide to me, you know, mm-hmm. which like, sorry, and I'm, I'm just going off here, but like, <laughs> when it comes to the church, like, I think that's a huge deal with so many people who, who leave is, is not feeling like you have the respect of those people that you cared about for so long, you know, like that, that they don't understand or respect your position. Um, and you know, who knows how many times they do understand or respect it, but to just that, that desire to be heard and understood and, and validated. Um, it's, it's real. And I, and I don't think for the most part, like doctrine and church leaders want the membership to, to go out and understand people's positions who have left. Right. And in fact, quite the opposite. Yes. I think there's slow progress, but that for sure, it's, it's just not a skill that's applied in that way. Um, you know, and I had moments too. I had an aha moment like a year ago when I was having conversations and just wanting people to understand me so bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just needed to find the right words and the right things, uh, you know, the right way to explain. And it wasn't working. Um, and I realized, well, why would I think it would work? <laughs> like they don't know the experiences and the feelings that I've had when I've had all these aha moments, you know, like, that you can't explain that to somebody. And so for me, it was a moment of what am I expecting from this relationship or what, you know, how am I viewing this person as being capable of seeing me where I am and I'm, I seeing them where they are, you know? And so it's kind of been a thing, a reoccurring thing to me now where I go, what do I want for myself in this relationship? Is it being understood? How can I understand this person better? And it's just a, I don't know, figuring that out. (laughs) um, Well, so you mentioned an aha moment. Are there like, I'm curious if any of you have thought about any like major aha moments, whether it was like leaving the church or since then that you've had, where it's just like, an epiphany where you exactly what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Just like felt this rush of immediate right then. I understand the truth of the universe. I, I was, let me jump in here. The, yes, the, <clears throat> for me, I feel like aha moments are when you've more fully put something in its context or more fully see something um, or realize, uh, I guess, see something in its fuller context, I should say. So, so for me, the, the biggest aha moment I had, from what I recall, I mean, I remember going through, you know, the steps of deconstruction in terms of, you know, looking at all the different facets of, uh, like, church history. And the, the biggest one that just wrecked me for days to where I couldn't sleep was listening to Dan Vogel talk about um, on Mormon stories, talk about the history of Joseph Smith and and how he was into like the occult practices and, and how, you know, Moroni was more of this uh, trickster uh, earlier on when with the occult. And it was, it was so, it, it was, it was like this thing that I had struggled with for so long 
And finally there was an explanation where it just clicked, you know, and the aha moment happened mm-hmm. and it was, but it was so disturbing at the same time to, and just kind of really was the final nail in the coffin in a way of, of everything that I thought was real. Um, and uh, so for me, that was like, but, but what that was doing was putting the Joseph Smith experience in more of a, a fuller context of the relationship he had with um, kind of the culture at that time with the magical practices of that time and, and really kind of helped me understand like, okay, well, this totally makes sense. Like his, you know, when you, uh, you know, but at the same time, that was an aha moment. I, I realized, um, and also listening to this, these podcasts, how, I need to be more epistemologically humble with, with how I feel I know things and, and just realize that we'll never be able to recreate everything that happened during that time period. Never in our, you know, it's just impossible. And so I have to realize that, you know, this is just Dan Vogel's viewpoint and what he's pieced together based on additional information that I didn't have before, but I, I feel it's better information. Um, so. I, I think that's interesting, Reed. Like you talked about that aha moment, both being like satisfying and feeling good. And then also causing you a lot of internal anguish. I mean, at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Like, like really bifurcated feelings, opposite spectrum. It sounds like. Yeah, which for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have a question for you all here. Something I was thinking about as I was listening to this um, kind of over and over was like, I've, I, I really view like being so completely wrong about something in your life um, and then like changing your mind about it as a, as a blessing, if I can use that term. I value it quite a bit because like realizing I thought I was so certain about something or, or no, no, I was so certain about something and then went through whatever experiences, life experiences and changed my mind and makes me question a lot, a lot of other things. And then I was like, as I was listening to this, I was thinking, what things am I certain about now that I could potentially change my mind on in the future? You know, like what, what can I, what can I be certain? What am I certain about now that may not be certain about next year or in 10 years or whatever? Have you guys thought about that? It's mm, great. For me, it's a uh, life is tough. It's con- it's constant chaos and we need to love each other as much as we can and try to c- approach each other in a very understanding, empathetic way to try to help each other through it and alleviate suffering. That's, for me, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get around that. There's something that I was thinking of when I was listening to that kind of goes along with this because I realized, and it's something I've noticed in friends and family and, and people in my community that are still very active is, you know, they too will say, well, we don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> you know, like we don't know, you know, day to day or job or whatever, but there are pillars of certainty still that are there, like uh, general authorities, you know, profit, 
and they're held up as these symbols of, of someone who knows, okay, it's okay. If I don't know, you know, everything somebody does. (laughs) And so when you lose that, then you're kind of left to figure out, okay, without that pillar of, you know, because for me, that was a big, also a big part of, you know, deconstructing was this aha moment of like, oh, these are, these are just guys (laughs) (laughs) that are figuring things out just like me, you know, and that like Reed saying, it felt uncomfortable that it was falling into place that way. But it also gave me permission, like, you know, Reed was saying too, like, okay, this makes sense. Now I can kind of move on. Um, But yeah, it kind of leaves you in that place of uncertainty without the buoy of somebody knowing, (laughs) like what, I don't know. That that was incredibly frightening for me. So scary. It took so many years to kind of work through, and I think I'm in a better place, but like, that, that, yes, boo, exactly, is what is your description of it, Jess, like, and then just, like, having that safety, security totally go away that, like, oh, yes. nobody knows, like, nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's, it's all up to me to decide where I, how well, I make meaning. Yeah. You can look at that from a very fear perspective, you know, fear-based perspective of nobody knows, but over time, for me, it's, it's evolved more into a, oh, nobody knows, you know, like we're all in the same boat. We're all figuring this out. Let's be each other's buoys. <laughs> like, we'll just, uh, anyway, I don't know. I, I say, I don't know a lot, but, and it's true. It goes along with what we're talking about. I don't know anything, but um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Ren? Yeah. I was going to say, um, I'm not certain about anything at all like i feel like you know that question kurt like uh i i I feel so thrown for a loop in my life like i thought that you know growing up that life would get easier things would make more and more sense as you got older you'd understand things more but i feel like it's just been keeps proving me to be the opposite like things are just you just learned that you know so little like like (laughs) oh, there's actually more to this to learn about. And I have no idea, like what I was thinking, like it's very, it is a very uncomfortable feeling. And um, like, I, I. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with uncertainty? Like, what are the tools? What are the things that you use to feel like, I know what I try to do. I feel like replacing for me, you know, the general authorities or that safety feeling that somebody knows what's going on is I know what's going on inside of me. And when I get really still, or I get really introspective and I feel the peace that's probably in some ways more personal, obviously if it's inside me, but, um, than what it was externally. And, you know, I'm trying the best I can to teach that to my kids, but you always have you like wherever you are. And that's the thing, you know, getting to know yourself, the better you can get to know yourself, the more trust you can have in yourself to guide, you know, you through whatever it is that happens. I yeah, took I... my consecrated oil vial and replaced it with cocaine, which you can keep <laughs> without with you wherever you are. <laughs> to help you deal. Or there's that you know, route. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I really know oily cocaine. Like, how do you use it, Kurt? I'm just curious. <laughs> we know nothing about cocaine. I wonder what yeah. I wonder what Glenn thinks about this. We haven't asked Glenn anything yeah, tonight. Glenn. Glenn thinks that cocaine is no laughing matter, and you should all be ashamed of yourselves. There we go. Okay, thanks, Glenn. That was that was informative. Good. Always good. Yeah, I I. I deal with it by just leaning really heavily into the uncertainty, like I'm trying to trick myself into thinking like, no, that's actually a good feeling, you know, like you were asking or you're talking earlier, Jess, about um, like uh, that, that uncomfortableness and, and that feeling of uncertainty and like how you ask questions all the time, you know what you were saying? You're like, oh, I just, I ask a lot of questions and then, Sometimes it might be awkward, but like, I love that. Like I love in a meeting when somebody asks like a stupid question because it's like, okay, let's all make sure that we all understand this because I'm pretty sure 90% of us are just pretending like we understand what everybody's talking about. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. Like, yeah. you, Ren, you're, you're so spot on. Well, even this dude, like you say a stupid question, but like, I, uh, I had a new individual start on my team this week and or last week and we're like training, doing all sorts of stuff. And she's asking all these questions, which are like basic, but then I have to go to explain them. And I realize that there's shortcomings in my understanding of what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. and like that idea of, of asking those silly questions or basic questions or like, just like repeated, like, well, why is that? Well, why is that? You know, over and over, like helps you understand, like uncover your own your own shortcomings or misunderstandings. Yeah. Um, so can I can I answer can I answer the question that I asked a little while ago? Oh yeah. yeah. About um, things that I'm certain on. Although I wish I had Reed's answer. His answer was was the answer that I that I want to have. Just like reduce suffering. Oh, um, nice. But well, well, actually, so this is like I was not certain if <laughs> it's totally unintentional when I just said that. Um, so, like, the answer that popped in my brain when I thought the question, when I thought of that question, was like the scientific method or or that approach to coming to understanding in the universe and the world for myself, that sort of thing, just like being curious about something, coming up with a hypothesis, testing, like, you know, reinterpreting results, all the whole, the whole process, like that idea, I don't feel like that will ever change. Like I will ever devalue that, but maybe I will. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think it's the best method we got. (laughs) That's humans right now. What do you think, Grant? Yeah, I'm, I was thinking a lot about that in context of the, the podcast, right? Because um, listening to those two podcasts with, with Richard Burton, you can get the sense that like, okay, so the way that you become certain of something is not a rational thing. It's just, an, it's just a feeling you get, right? And so like certainty is all an illusion it's it's like the the he gave that story of the um challenger explosion right Uh and all the yeah so there was like a hundred psychology students and there was this professor who was studying like memory and these were all like 
psychology students who knew that like memory is a fallible thing. Um, and when the, it was the challenger, right? That yeah, it was, yeah. When, when that blew up, he gathered a hundred of his psychology students and had them write it down in their journal, uh, like everything they felt that day, um, because it's like a, it was a flashbulb memory, you know, like one of those things that everybody remembers where they were when it happened kind of a thing. And so then how, I can't remember how long it was, like two years later or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he invited them all back to uh, read their journal entries and like 90% of them didn't believe that that's how it actually went down like that 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 the journal entries were wrong which was it's pretty amazing that's so wild isn't it yeah yeah and so you hear that story and you feel like man nothing's really certain like how could how 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 could anything be like how do we know anything and i was thinking about that because of like i was like surely like there are things that are knowable and that you can be certain of like math and <laughs> read i'm glad i mean ren i'm glad you brought that up like specifically because you you talked about like specific, yeah. going back and learning math again like oh yeah <laughs> yeah I see the appeal there that's that's certainly an appeal to want to know concrete things yeah yeah but but even then he Richard Burton talked about this in the podcast. He, he even talked about the feeling of knowing that two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Questioning whether you know that or whether that certainty that you get, like how that arises within you. And if that's like a concrete fact or not, not. And like, even me saying this right now feels absolutely ridiculous and asinine to, to like make that, that statement. Mm-hmm. But, but the, but the feeling of, of, of certainty is the same, rather regardless if it's two plus two equals four or, god is this or that or whatever right yeah that's what he's claiming yeah that's what he's saying yeah well i think too a lot of times there's uh words or phrases that get really negative connotations so that's something i kind of look for when i'm listening to podcasts like this too in applying it to things i already know like listening to this of course i'm thinking of church or i'm thinking of you know whatever but you know we think about biases that we have you know and how that is a negative that usually it has such a negative connotation, but that it's a function of our brain to allow us to, you know, survive in capacity that we're in, you know, like there was a story of, you know, he's talking about in recognizing somebody or remembering where somebody lives, you know, you're, you're functioning off of memory of what, you know, you know, <laughs> so, you know, like, well, he even said he walked through it. Like, you know, say you're going to visit your old friend from childhood, Joe, and you're trying to remember how to get to his house and you know that it's two story and you roughly remember the color and you're heading there and you see a house and it is hitting those markers in your brain of this is what I know. You knock on the door and it's not Joe, you know, <laughs> And so then you're left with this feeling of like, wait, what? I thought I knew like, this is challenging, you know? And then there's even people in that scenario that I would imagine being like, like kind of what he was saying, like, where's Joe? Who's hiding Joe? (laughs) He must be tied up in the back. And you see this everywhere though, with people when they're presented with new information that does not jive. It's almost, you know, that discomfort feeling can override that ability to say, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong here. <laughs> mm. 
which is really that, helpful. That totally makes me think of, of, I don't know if you guys use TikTok at all, but there's, I, and I think it might be like um, the daily show, but this guy goes into the Trump crowds, like the rallies and asks very simple oh, yeah. questions. And like I'm, the last one I saw, the lady said that, you know, Princess Diana was alive and um, just went on and on about these just QAnon type conspiracies. And he kind of presents, you know, he uses like some street epistemology kind of ways of questioning and helping them question. And he just, you know, it's, it's to go, it, the whole idea is to show that how dumb they are, right? But they can't look at the facts and make a conclusion but I think this kind of goes right back to the fact, the, the way that, the, you know, that this um, aha moment, these guys have all had aha moments with their conspiracy theories to help them understand, you know, the world. And, you know, they don't want to, that's, that's their understanding of the world and presenting facts is not going to help. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, uh, which I think is just fascinating. So, well, yeah, but like, okay, ready for the aha moment for me is like, there are there are perfectly valid and logical and good reasons for them to feel the way they do about about whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like whether the Earth is flat or whatever. Like it's it's not like like the when when my ego gets in the way, I feel like oh, the, like these people are idiots or something like that. But then I, I think about what's actually going on physiologically and in their brains and everything, and like they're they're their biology and their history and background and all their experiences have led led them to this point where they they feel certain about something whether it's you know you know princess diana or the earth is flat or Mm. contrails or or you know dumping chemicals all throughout the country whatever it is like there are valid reasons why they feel what they feel yeah yeah I was going to say, I think there's a difference though, too, in recognizing that and understanding, you know, that process in a person. And then also because we all, okay. Faith is another thing, which I kind of want to talk about too, but I don't know if we have time for that, (laughs) but I don't believe all of those leaps are equal. There's not like a, you know, I think there is some sort of hierarchy of claims that we make about certainty or allowing, you know, there has to be something I don't know. Help me out here. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's what I, I, was, I was feeling the same way because in my mind, like when you talk about like a hierarchy of knowledge or like a hierarchy of things you can be certain about in my mind, like math is the number one, like okay. this thing's gotta be, it's gotta be right. Right. Well, just, that's just my life experience is that like, I don't know, it's just drilled into me that like math is, is, it is reality. <laughs> it's reality. Is math just like the most commonly agreed upon method? Is that the real thing about it? I don't know. Like it could be the thing that's lasted time, like the concept that's been, you know, transferable most. Yeah, (laughs) that gets that that question that Kurt asked earlier about like what what are some things that you're certain of now that you know maybe they won't be like you won't be certain of them later. Like the confidence that I feel about math is that is I just have that feeling, but does that line up with reality, I guess? And you've got to, at some point, you have to act as if it does. Okay, that's you know faith. I mean? 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's another thing where coming from church, we're like, oh, faith, you know, like we don't <laughs> like these words, but we're all taking leaps of faith every single day that, you know, the earth's not going to explode. Or my daughter, who's afraid of tornadoes, she thinks a tornado is going to come every time there's a dark cloud. So we're taking leaps of faith every time we're making any choice, really. Like any decision we're making is a, you know, I don't know. Which but, is which is a degree of certainty, isn't it? It is. Well, that's the whole thing too of yeah. attitude influencing, you know, the way that we're making decisions. Like what kind of progress are we making in the world from the perspective that we have? I don't know. Okay, I said I don't know again. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it sounds like you're not certain about anything. And 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 really I think one of the bottom line things with when it comes to background in church is that doubt is just so uncomfortable. Certainty is just so comfortable. We prefer that it makes sense that we, you know, are driven to find security and find things that reinforce what we know. I, we all do that. And the minute that we expand our knowledge or capacity to like take different information in, that all of a sudden increases our capacity to, you know, feel comfortable or feel uncomfortable. (laughs) So it's just a, it's a weird, it's a weird cycle there. That's just kind of never ending. And you just grab some buoys and float along, I guess. So, so what's very (laughs) fascinating about this whole discussion to me and my chair squeaky, (laughs) my microphone squeaky. No, my chair. Oh, oh, I didn't hear. <laughs> I'll mute um, is the fact that uh, the the I guess the the end game here, or I should say, geez, this is going to be hard. Maybe Glenn can can delete all this out. But uh, the the cost, or you know, the penalties involved with with a you know the LDS Church degree of certainty. If you're really wrong here, there's going to be a, a giant penalty to pay for eternity, right? Um, whereas uh, we're on, I guess I feel like I'm on this side of the fence saying that, you know, there's not this gigantic penalty that you guys are are thinking is there. Um, and I'm not sure there's any penalty at all, or there's no, like, it, does it matter if I don't believe there's an afterlife? I'm not saying I do or don't, but I'm just saying like, we're talking giant uh, degrees of certainty with giant magnitude. And I kind of feel like um, we're losing relationships with family and friends over that sort of certainty. And because someone is so certain there's an afterlife and you got to do X, Y, and Z to get to it. And you're not doing that. And because you're not doing that, I'm not going to, you know, continue being your friend or being, you know, I, I don't know. The, the whole thing is very fascinating. Why we do that? Why do we build these, you know, these borders, these uh, fences around what we believe is certain to be certain. And then we completely blow off the people and feel like they're our enemy if they if they don't believe the same, you know, things that we do that we're feel what we feel certain about i just the whole thing is fascinating to me the the two things that come up to me read as you're talking is like i mean i mean it sort of sounds like 
what you're talking about in part is like Pascal's wager, right? Like yeah. the idea that like, okay, it may, it may be true. It may not be true, but I'm going to act as if it's true because I'm going to be way better off in the end if it is true. And, and I'm right. And I've done this all along the way, like that whole idea of being separated from your family forever. If you, if you don't, you know, if you, if you fall off the path, um, which once you fall down the path and like roll down the cliff, it's great. I promise. <laughs> um, but like, so, so that idea of, of like Pascal's wager and then like just what you're getting at re- just reminds me back of what we were talking about before of the whole idea of these things aren't necessarily like built in uh, purposefully into the church, but it's like, you know, successful organizations use these ideas, these, these massive punishments hanging over your head uh, to, to control group members. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's in group or out group, whatever it is. And motivate. It's yeah. Like a very motivating factor. It's like with your kids, <laughs> you know how to lay down the law or incentivize. And it's kind of a, a well-oiled system there at church, I feel like, but I don't know. Did you, did you just cover your mouth? Cause you said, I don't know again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's true. I, like, I feel like I don't need to say that all the time. Anyway. Yeah. I guess one, one other thought I had just listening to you guys here at the end is it's interesting too, how the certainty of, you know, like part of your deconstruction process and going through leaving an organization like church you you know if you're interested in history you're diving into what they said about history and what happened and you know what it meant and that's evolved over time the certainty of specific events has changed and that's confusing and and to me that just kind of speaks more to that fact that the most uh the thing that is the most important is that feeling of security over you know, truth per se, <laughs> or the accuracy of, you know, whatever event it was. And it's just interesting to kind of see that now from the outside, like Blacks in the Priesthood motivation behind it. You read talks from back then, it's very clear how they felt about it and what it meant. Mm-hmm. And now it's very loosey goosey and nobody really knows. And, you know, <laughs> the certainty that was there before has really kind of faded away. And, you know, I don't know, that feels like it, it really leans on that idea of it being motivated by just keeping people safe and well, protected. Like, well, the whole idea of safety, like that is built into our genetic mm. code. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to, to be, to, to be safe and to not, and to belong, not die. Yeah. To belong, to be part of a group. Like that's where that's, that's far, that's far more important to us as humans than like being logically correct about some assumption, you know? Well, that's, yeah. If you have your two kids that are arguing and they're trying to give you the facts about it and there's a kid just crying and they're hurt, you know, it doesn't really matter (laughs) what was said. They're hurt, you know, let's take care of these people. I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're motivated by protecting and preserving. It makes sense. Ren, you're a better host. Oh no, don't snow. (laughs) I'll just bring the topic and you you do the hosting. (laughs) 
you're going to this. All right. Um, I feel like Glenn needs to have either the intro or outro music, uh, a song from the band AHA. (laughs) You said that so much tonight. Uh, AHA. AHA. But there was really so much more to the podcast, I felt like. I know. We've we've dwelt on the AHAs, but there's also, they touched on um, like just being reductive and in, in, in our answers to giant problems like the depression, you know, and how we're just, yeah. like, what was it? What, what one thing happened to Seriously. resolve the depression? And that's, and it's like a million things, but why that to me, that whole discussion touched on the fact that we are storytellers and we live on stories and we have to have one story to explain everything. And I thought that was really fascinating how, you know, that, that economist professor was just like, I'm not going to give an answer for that yeah, because I don't know. And, and the, you know, the reporter's like, I don't accept that answer. You have to know, this is your profession. He's like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to tell you a lie. I have no idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was very noble of, of him to say. And it's something that I, you know, I want to emulate a little bit and be like, I, yeah, I don't know. So the whole, I think my whole message from, from those discussions was we don't know. There's, there's, we have, we're loaded with biases. We're loaded with such limited information in terms of what we take into our bodies, in terms of our senses. We have a million things happening at once. How could we ever really know anything? But that is, I think, I guess, as a species, what's gotten us by is being able to reduce all of that stuff to a story and move on and, and, and use it as our, you know, motivator or whatever. Um, I just thought that whole thing was, was pretty fascinating. Do you feel like, like, do you feel personally Reed, like it's okay to not know and not be certain? Uh, I'm definitely becoming more comfortable with it. It was, it was so uncomfortable for a long time, not knowing like where I was going after I died or, or anything like that. Um, but now I feel much more comfortable just saying, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And it, it, it's okay. You know, it's okay. And, and it, it, it just, it's made me, I guess, forced me to be a little bit more humble about what I know and what I, you know, how I approach conversations about stuff like that, you know, where I should know, like I, my ego says, don't, don't get embarrassed here. Have an explanation, have something, some strong opinion. And, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I think about, but I don't know. I have thoughts. But... Well, have a good night, guys. <clears throat> good night. It was good talking to you. Yep. Yeah. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never-
Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated. To Anything else? I'm walking past the pipe. Um. Down on the night. Choosing love when I pick up this. No. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to ask Glenn, like, what are, what are his yeah, final, final thoughts? Thank you, Glenn. That was good. <laughs> I really want to um, start thinking about these things and and uh, trying to figure out how I can apply them to professional wrestling. I think I want to make. I'm going to try to make that my bit. Like, uh, this is demonstrated in WrestleMania number 21. When <laughs> I'd be interested to hear what Glenn has to say about that. That's good material. <laughs> yeah. So we're watching the show. Everyone's watching it. That's right. Oh, yeah. Under, under the okay. banner of heaven. You guys, I ordered a new bed. It's coming tomorrow. It's an mm. adjustable bed. Oh. I'll be able to watch it like this. <laughs> We've had one of those for like 10 years now, and I couldn't live without an adjustable bed. Oh, yay. Mm. I'm glad. I was a little skeptical. Yeah. My husband's really excited about it. So tell me what you love about it, Reed uh we we kind of adjust the head up a little bit the feet up a little bit and i'm addicted to that kind of it's like a cupping yeah and um it's ruined me forever because now i go to hotel rooms and i'm stuffing pillows under i know under the the but hold on do you sleep like that all night yeah yeah oh feet too like your legs up yeah yeah is it do you have a separate one or is it uh, we used to and it just broke but um now it's one but i would recommend getting two different beds honestly didn't do that <laughs> um i it's it's okay it's fine but because you'll find that your partner probably likes a little different like sometimes people sleep on their stomachs or you know so we've never really matched our levels so we Sleeps. always have these fights between like lower the head and i'm like no i need the head to have, so <laughs> So yeah. Okay. Well, I just I just stand ominous, ominously over my wife when she sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> so my my bed thing is like we have we have a mattress that we bought a few years ago. Glenn's gonna cut all this out, right? Yeah, yeah of course, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why not? We bought we bought a mattress a few years ago that's like you know it's like one of these online. I can't remember what kind it is, but it has like two different softnesses, like one firm and one soft side. Oh. And so like you can flip it or whatever, but we use the soft side, but I always want the firm side. And I consistently am telling my wife, I'm going to cut the mattress in half and flip my side to the firm side. And uh, like, it might be the end of our marriage if I do that at some point here, but I'm positive that I could do it, that I could. Anyway. I think it's a good idea. Folks, this week's Infants on Thrones brought to you by the sleep number. <laughs> promo code sleepy infants promo code aha 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 I feel like Glenn needs to have kind of the intro outro music uh, song from the band aha talking away I don't know what I'm to say, I'll say it anyway.
Today is my last day to find you You're hiding away I'll be coming for you Want to see how long I can hold that? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.